We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Bears fans. Uh, we are here at the Bear Report recapping the Bears as, Bears game as they lost to the New York Giants in week four here, 20-12 to 12 in a sloppy game to say the least here. Um, the Bears going into the Meadowlands. You know, it was a close first half, um, really close the entire game here, but the Giants were able to, you know, pull away late here. Um, and just a lot of, let's just say, very – uh, interesting storylines to talk about with this one today, you say. But uh, before we get into it, you say how you're doing today and what are your initial thoughts on this bear, the bear, this Bears team as uh, they lose here to the New York Giants? I mean, yeah, I'm doing well. I think that when I look at the advanced database statistics that we've got access to and then just my own evaluation, my own notes throughout the game, all the stuff that I tweeted, you know, if I had to describe like a f- – use a phrase or a term to describe the Bears' week four loss, I would say that the Bears left a lot out there on the field in terms of how this game should have been played, right? You're looking at, I mean, the Bears had 16 total first downs. 13 of them were actually by the Bears. Three of them were because of stupid Giants penalties. But then the big statistic that sticks out to me is the simple fact that the Bears were 0 for 3 in the red zone. And... You know, you can't keep going field goal, field goal, field goal in the red zone. The reality is that you have to be willing to maximize because that's 18 points right there that the Bears left out onto the field. Yeah, I think leaving a lot on the bone and also scared coaching is a big takeaway for me in this game. Conservative coaching, I should say. Um, I, I guess it both goes in hand in hand because, you know, a lot of conservative decisions are going to be made out of coaching scared. And the Bears certainly coach scared today. Um, <clears throat> and I can I'll, I'll delve into that more. Um, but first, I'm going to recap this game real quick and then go into my thoughts on that, you say, before we get to the rest of our conversation here. But just recapping this one, uh, you know, the Bears, this game, this team, um, you know, it started off, you know, pretty slow early on. Uh, the Giants, they were able to, you know, get out to a 7-6 to six lead at the end of the first quarter. Um, they really took advantage of the Bears' lack of discipline on defense in that first half. You know, I, I think I there must have been at least 10 uh, bootleg rollout plays that the Giants were able to, to use on the on the, that the Bears were able to use uh, no the Giants were able to use on the Bears defense excuse me um, that just it looked like the Bears had no idea how to defend a bootleg it looked like they've never coached it before never like thought that was going to be an option like clearly the Bears were um, you know defending uh, 
overplaying stopping Saquon Barkley, which didn't really work out in this one. We'll get to that later. Um, and, you know, it just led to all these all these plays where Daniel Jones is running and there's like nobody, no Bears defender within like 30 yards of him. Um, that happened way too much in that first half, especially. But Giants go into halftime with a 14 to nine uh, lead. You know, the passing game, we saw some flashes from Justin Fields in that first half. He had a big completion of Darnell Mooney um, that set up a Bears field goal. But like you said, you said the Bears settled for field goals three times in the red zone, just not able to get it done. And then the second half, you know, it really started to become a slog. I thought, um, you know, Daniel Jones went out for the Giants with an injury for a little bit until Tyra Taylor got injured, you know, in, in replacement of him. Um, and it was pretty clear to see what the Giants game plan was. They had all their wide receivers basically out in this one. They were going to run the ball. They were going to be creative using their quarterbacks in the running game. And they did a lot of read option and bootleg stuff to really uh, stress the edges for this Bears defense. And it really worked out for them on offense for the Bears. It was another classic games that we've seen all year long. You know, they were trying to run the ball quite a bit. Um, not a lot of passing, you know, just a typical Bears game that we've seen this year. You know, Justin Fields finishes the game 11 of 22 for 174 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions, but six sacks in this one as well. Khalil Herbert leads the, leads the team in rushing with 77 yards. Um, Darnell Mooney had his first big game big game of the year with four receptions for 94 yards. But um, when we get late into the game here, um, touching on that real quick, uh, you know, the bears, they had a chance actually to tie this game up down 20 to 12, I believe it was uh, with five minutes to go. So you're down by eight with five minutes to go. Um, and I think that sequence is going to be key here. That's going to be the big one to talk about because uh, the bears, they had a chance to go down there and tie the game or at least to score a touchdown and maybe have a chance to get the ball back if they didn't get the two-point conversion. But instead of, you know, really going for a touchdown on that drive, you know, Luke Getze plays it pretty conservative. They run the ball, I think, four out of the five plays that they ran on that drive. I, I have to go back and look at it. In fact, I'll probably try and see if I can look back, look back at it right now. Um, so, yeah, they ran four plays on that drive. Three of them were runs, so they ended up burning two minutes off the clock here when they're running a five-minute drill down by eight. Um, and then on a fourth and two at around midfield, uh, Matt Eberflus decides to punt the ball on fourth down, giving the Giants the ball back uh, with three minutes left to go in the game. You know, he has three timeouts, so he figured get get the stop. You know, the Giants will punt the ball back, give the Bears the chance to go down and score a touchdown, uh, you know, and – with two minutes, two minutes to play and, you know, enough time to maybe get into the end zone there with favorable field position doesn't work out. So Fields Jones in his first game action here as a bear, as a rookie uh, muffs the punt as you know, the bears defense does get the stop force three and out um, muffs the punt. the giants recover. They run the ball out. That's the game. So it was just a frustrating ending um, for the bears here. Um, there was just a lot of, really just odd coaching decisions in this game for me. You said you talk about uh, the red zone play calling, you know, Luke, Luke Getzey, I thought had a really rough, rough one in this game. Um, you know, just if last week was, you know, one of those games where it had me starting to feel concerned about Justin Fields and where he was at in his development, this game, I think did a lot to make me concerned in the direction that this coaching staff is going. What, what are your thoughts on that? You said, 
Yeah, I mean, and I just tweeted this, right? I talked about how a couple numbers that I felt like defined the Bears afternoon. You're looking at 0 for 3 in the red zone, 5 for 15, that's 33% on third down, 5.1 yards per play, right? If you look at the numbers for the Giants, I mean, they were pretty much very similar outside of the Giants being 1 for 2 in the red zone. And so when you look at this game, I think that there's something to be said, right? Like Justin had a couple good plays in this game. Justin had a couple plays that you're like, okay, the offense would like to have back. But then ultimately, I think that this was a sloppy fest all around by both sides of the ball because the Bears offense has marched on the field on the first possession in three or four games this season and scored, okay? Whether that's been a touchdown or a field goal because they scored a touchdown on the opening drive against the Packers in week two. They scored a field goal these last two weeks on the opening drive. But the problem, I think, comes down to consistency, right? The Bears are not necessarily consistent in any aspect of the game. You look at the defense, and I don't know why, for some reason, they didn't make that adjustment earlier in terms of having Jaquan Brisker pretty much always spying Daniel Jones for those play-action plays, as well as you know a couple of the QB boots that we saw. I don't know why Matt Eberflus decided to make that adjustment all the way into the second half when Brisker had one of the Bears' few sacks of the afternoon. Then you look at the offensive side of the ball, right? I'm not going to sit here and say the Bears offense doesn't have any weapons because that's the same message that you and I have been screaming for basically the last couple weeks now. And this goes all the way back into the summer, too, when, you know, you and I were at training camp. Zach was at training camp. A whole bunch of our friends in the Bears media were at training camp. And I think that, you know, it was the same stuff back then that we were talking about that we're finally seeing our issues now. It's just like, The Bears don't have any weapons, so it's hard to really gauge where Justin's at in his development. Now, with that said, Justin had a couple good plays in this game, but ultimately, this is a team that I think, and a coaching staff right now, they really just has to settle down. They have to stop playing and coaching scared, and they just have to say, hey, look, you know, If we lose by eight points to a really good team, that's totally fine because no one expects this team to win every single game, but you can at least coach well and coach hard to make this team competitive. And, you know, one last thing, right? I would say that this game really brought to the forefront why, you know, rookie offensive tackle Braxton Jones may not be the answer that a lot of people think he is. Because in the second half, and I forget which possession it was, but I believe it was the one right after the Eddie Jackson pick. It's like Braxton Jones got beat and got beat bad against Kayvon Thibodeau, you know? So I'm not throwing Braxton under the bus here, but ultimately I think that there's a lot of work to be done in terms of getting this train moving in the right direction. Because for me, when I look at the Bears' offensive line, right, Cody White here being down and out is basically a blow. But then the continuity, you don't you, you you can't really say that there's continuity along the Bears offensive line, specifically because one series we see Lucas Patrick in, the next series we see Tevin Jenkins in. And unfortunately, I think that this coaching staff has to get to a point where you know, they have to understand and they have to realize that especially up front, because it's so important to develop a young quarterback, you have to find a solid five and you have to let those five gel and call it a day. And then if there are significant struggles, then you go ahead and then you make a switch.
Yeah, the, the offensive line, it, it was a rough one for them today. And I, I like the point about you make about the coaching staff, you know, not sticking with a solid five and just sticking with it. Um, because they once again went to that Lucas Patrick, Tevin Jenkins rotation again. And it's comical at this point. Like, why are we still doing this in week four? Like, does Lucas Patrick really need to get that much in shape? Like, why not just put him back at center? It's like either the hand is healthy or it's not. And clearly Tevin Jenkins has been the better of the two. There were um, multiple plays in Lucas in this game where Lucas Patrick was just getting his ass whipped by, you know, whether it be, you know, Dexter Lawrence up front for the Giants or whoever else, but, you know, Lucas Patrick did not have a very strong game. You talk about Cody Whitehair going down. You know, it's a tough blow because Cody Whitehair has been arguably their best offensive lineman so far this year, um, as has Devin Jenkins when he's been on the field. So it's just frustrating that they went into this game with that game plan of continuing this rotation, which I think has just been a waste of time for everybody. Um, just let Tevin Jenkins play. He's been good when he's on the field. Let him get that experience because Lucas Patrick, I mean, we've seen it here. He's just a guy. And ultimately, you know, he's nice, nice depth to have. It's nice, you know, if he's your center, because I think he's better than Sam Mustafer and what he's giving you right now. But yeah, I'm just, I'm tired of this rotation and talking about it every single week. It's just, it's one of those frustrating coaching decisions and a long line of coaching decisions that I just had a lot of frustrations with in this game. You talk about the lack of weapons for the Bears. And I think, um, you know, this game was a good showcase of, you know, both coaching staffs and how they overcome those lack of weapons. Because honestly, if you go into the, you know, just look at this on paper, I think you can make an argument that the Bears, they had better offensive personnel than what the Giants had today. When you look at the Giants, they had their top three wide receivers out. When you look at Sterling Shepard, not for the year, I think with, I think, a knee injury, ACL, I think. Um, Wondell Robinson's not in the lineup. Um, and then Kadarius Tony not in the lineup today. So they were down on their weapons in this one, their offensive line just got absolutely destroyed by the Cowboys last week. They don't have a good offensive line. They have Daniel Jones at quarterback, you know, so they have all these deficiencies everywhere. And you saw Brian Dable and Mike Kafka for the giants be able to scheme around that and find creative ways to move the ball and facilitate competent looking offense for some stretches of time here. And I can't say the same for the bears here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, they have been able to run the ball quite a bit. We saw some flashes with Justin Fields today in the passing game in terms of getting some deep completions that once Darnell Mooney was an absolute beauty, like a great throw, great catch. That's the type of stuff you want to see. But I think this game is a good showcase of this coaching staff playing scared, playing conservative, and just not a ton of creativity right now from Luke Getze and this offensive 
in, in this offense right now. There's just not a ton that I look at and I say, yeah, they're doing a really good job here because I, I don't. Like, how many times are they going to call, like, tight end screens for Cole Komet on third and long? When Cole Komet, he's, like, one of your least athletic, least agile, least dynamic playmakers with the ball in his hands. Like, you just had Vils Jones get back healthy, and we'll talk about Vils Jones in a little bit on the return side of it, but Vils Jones is, like, one of your most dynamic playmakers. I thought the entire point of drafting Vils Jones in the third round was to use him on these gadget plays, on these reverses, um, end around screens, and get the ball in his hand so he can make a play after the catch. Like, that was, like, the whole point that you drafted him, right? So why isn't he getting on the field for these situations? Instead, we're wasting play calls, just throwing to the Cole Komet on these screens where – He's not a dynamic athlete. He's not going to get make too many guys miss. He's not going to, you know, if he gets space, he's not going to make take advantage with you know dynamic speed or anything with explosiveness. That's not his game. So, you know, stuff like that is frustrating. The second and long runs are frustrating, um, and just the lack of aggressiveness in the red zone to go for it and to open it up and let Justin Fields, you know, see what he has. And again, it's one of those things where we're four games in. And this coaching staff is still playing scared with Justin Fields. They're not really letting him air it out. They're they're still keeping you know the training wheels on, so to speak, for him. And it's just it's just one of those things where, again, the entire point of this year was to develop Justin Fields and see what he can do. And I thought I saw some you know some positive growth from him in this game, but you know with the coaching staff handcuffing him so much and not letting him really go out there and air it out, it's just how are you going to see the development? that you need to see from him this year when you're playing so scared and close to the chest with him. And speaking of fields, that goes to our next segment for this recap. Um, You know, Justin Fields' performance, like I said today, like I said, today he had, you know, 174 passing yards. I think that's the most for him this season so far. 11 and 22 passing, you know, almost eight yards per attempt. The six sacks is, is a little bit worrisome. This offensive line, again, did not have a great day. Um, also had 52 yards on the ground. He made some plays with his feet in this one. Um, you know, for me, you said I thought Justin Fields showed some nice growth. I thought he, he showed some um, – there were some pauses from him. It looked like he was doing a better job of, you know, you know, playing aggressive as a passer and going through his reads and whatnot. Um, what were your thoughts on his performance today? And, you know, do you think this is something that he can build off of moving forward? Well, I thought, you know, Justin, considering the current context of things he had and compared to where he was the first three weeks, he did have a solid outing today. I mean, he finally got or semi got the passing offense going. But if I'm going to be honest, you know, when you look at Justin's numbers there again, you know, I thought that the way Justin played today against the Giants was kind of reminiscent of some of his best performances as a rookie. Like, he played like a rookie first-year quarterback today, if I'm going to be honest, you know. And the reality, I think, comes down to this, is that was this a game where Justin blew the waters off of anyone and the Bears just lost because of stupid mistakes? No. This was a game, I think, where... You know, you saw the 56-yard completion to Mooney. You saw the 18-yard completion to Mooney. You saw kind of flashes of what this offense could do, more specifically the passing offense. But ultimately, the big question that I'm thinking in the back of my head as I'm kind of watching this game and taking notes is the simple fact that was it good? Yeah. What is it? Was it a baby step in the right direction? Yes, but was it enough to really justify that this offense is going to be solid moving forward? 
Absolutely not, because they're not going to be playing a slugfest team like the New York Giants each week, who, by the way, every single one of the Giants games this year, outside of that week three loss to the Dallas Cowboys, um, have pretty much been down to the wire, right? And then I think you also have to factor this into it all, too, is that... You know, Darnell Muniake Cool had a great game today, but realistically, I mean, if we're going to be honest, you know, the Bears, I think, biggest woes come from the fact that the plays the team calls in the red zone are not getting the best out of what Justin Fields is able to do. Like, I tweeted this during the game, and I'm like, hey, you know, you got to call some play action passes or some boots or something even if it is qb boots get justin out of the pocket in the red zone because you're 19 to 1 in terms of 20 trips to the red zone or i'm sorry 20 um play calls in the red zone before this game and what happens is for the bears it's like they've got 19 run plays in one pass play well the giants keyed in on that today and that's why the bears were not able to make kind of any significant movement in the red zone i think some of the red zone packages have to include getting a guy like an equinemia st brown or dante pettis or amir smith marset a couple of your bigger wide receivers in there and then you just have to be able to combine that with these qb boots yeah, it's, it's frustrating to see Getsy not utilize Justin Fields as a runner in the red zone consistently. We saw it in week two against Green Bay. They did it a couple of times, and it worked. So the fact that they go away from that and they just use these, you know, very simple simple vanilla style of run plays, you know, it, it you know it's just – I have so many problems with Luke Getsy and this offense and the way that he's calling the game right now. I'm not going to try and, you know, st- stick on that point too much, though. In terms of Justin Fields' performance, like I thought you're saying of – Baby steps in the right direction was the right way to put it. Like there are still some struggles that I'm seeing from him, you know, the babies. But again, I, I thought I, sh- I saw some positives in terms of, you know, a little bit of growth in terms of going through progressions, a little bit of growth in terms of, you know, trusting, you know, his receivers get open and playing faster a little bit. Um, and that big throw the, the, to Mooney was really special stuff there. So you need to see more of that going forward. But there were some struggles as well. Like I thought on one play, I forget if it was in the first half or early in the second half, but there was a play where he had Darnell Mooney, I thought, open for a touchdown. I tweeted this out earlier uh, today. He might have been open for a touchdown. He might might not have. I'll have to go back and look at the all-22, but it looked like Darnell Mooney was open in the scene for a touchdown, and Justin Fields just took his eyes off of him um, and ran for a first down, but just took his eyes off way too early, and that's something that he has to continue to work on, not dropping his eyes too much at the slightest hints of pressure or when his first read isn't there. Like He has to stand in the pocket and make – you know, go through his reads consistently and, you know, stand in there and make the throws. But also, like, I get it, like, the offensive line was playing like crap today and the, and the Giants are a blitz-heavy defense. So, you know, he probably felt like he didn't have a ton of time in there to stand in there and, and make plays. So I, I guess I got – I kind of see it from that standpoint. But, again, like, that's something that he needs to continue to work on moving forward. And in terms of playing the blitz, like, I don't know if this is a scheme issue or a Justin Fields issue, but it seems like whenever Justin Fields is blitz that the Bears either – they don't have a hot redesigned into the offense for Justin Fields to get the ball out quickly, or Justin Fields just isn't throwing it hot in those situations because the Giants, they blitzed multiple times, and Justin Fields had no idea, it seemed like, what he was doing to counteract those blitzes, and it led to you know, a lot of sacks, it led to a lot of, you know, wobbly throws, you know, a lot of throwaways and whatnot, or Justin Fields trying to escape and, you know, get out of the pocket. Um, 
you know, for the Bears moving forward, either Justin Fields needs, needs to do a better job of throwing to his hot moving forward in blitz situations, or the Bears, like Luke Getze, you got to help out Justin Fields and give him some hot reads to throw the ball to. And I can only answer that question, who's at fault, by going back and watching the All-22 um, when that eventually comes out in a few days from now. So um, I'm not going to put any blame on that for right now, but that's an issue that the Bears have to fix moving forward. Um, moving on to our next segment here, let's go over our three studs and three duds for the day. Um, you know, three guys that stood out to us, whether it's, you know, players or coaches or units or whatever, and three guys that did not stand out for us or that were kind of negatives compared to our expectations for them. You say it, I'll start with you. Who are your three studs for today? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I would say, you know, it's tough to kind of sit here and pick three studs just because I think that the game overall was one where there was a lot that was going on. But if I had to pick, you know, my first two guys I think are going to be offensive linemen. I thought that Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum played a pretty phenomenal game all afternoon. Didn't necessarily even see any penalties count. They're called on them. And then the big thing to understand is that when you look at Jenkins and Borum, they're finally settling into their roles in this new offense. And so their development is going to be exciting to watch moving forward, specifically because when you look at where the Bears are at as a team, I mean, they're not going to be in a position to bring in five starters on the offensive line next year. So, naturally there might be players like Jenkins and Borum that again are going to be under contract that just make more sense than going out and trading or spending all your money on a starting caliber offensive lineman I think that my third stud of the afternoon would quite frankly have to be Jaquan Brisker now I look at Brisker and I think that you know he's been one of the best defensive backs in the NFL through the first four weeks right it seems like he's all over the place he makes the Bears defense expendable the coaching staff really trusts him to go ahead and make plays he's an incredibly hard worker and so this is just to start with Brisker because we all know he's going to get significantly better moving forward Yeah, for me, um, my three studs for today, um, I have to go with Darnell Mooney. Um, I thought, you know, that big catch he made uh, early in the game, you know, it was really nice to see that connection with between him and Justin Fields start to come to fruition a little bit. They've been very quiet together uh, through the first three weeks. So I was glad to see those guys start to pick it up a little bit. Uh, Darnell Mooney, you know, I, you know, again, four receptions for 94 yards, not a ton of volume there, but very efficient on his five targets for the game. Um 
and just showing off that ability as a deep threat to make plays. So Darnell Mooney, um, he's a stud for me in this one. Um, definitely his best game of the season. Um, another stud for me, um, I have to go with uh, a special teamer here. Um, Josh Blackwell uh, made a big play in this game on special teams where he forced a fumble on a punt return for the Giants and recovered the fumble, and that led to the Bears getting another field goal, I believe. That was like late in the first half. My memory serves correct here, but that was a big-time play by Blackwell uh, to make that happen. Uh, I was very excited to see that. You know, that's Those are some of the plays that you're looking for from your special teams unit, and uh, if you're a team like the Bears' as coaching staff, you know they emphasize takeaways and special teams play. Um, and that's just a really good sign to see for Josh Blackwell to go out there and make a play like that. So uh, that was a promising thing to see. Um, you got to give credit to where credit's due for um, making that those type of plays um, on special teams. And then in terms of my last stud, I mean, there, there's not a ton like defensively for me, like not a ton of guys really stood out for me in this one. Um, I'd say Eddie Jackson, um, you know, played a really good game in this one. Eddie Jackson, he looks like the old Eddie Jackson uh, from 2018. You know, he had another interception in this game. He looks like that ball hawk once again. He made another play in coverage where he broke up a pass on a third down. Like, Eddie Jackson looks really, really good right now. Um, and that's got to be a very exciting development because, you know, going into this year, Jackson was kind of viewed as one of those guys that the Bears were kind of just waiting for his contract to get to a point where they could get out of it. And this year he's made a, he's definitely made a case that he deserves to be, you know, a guy that stays for another couple of years with this new regime moving forward, because he looks more like, you know, the pro bowler, all pro type of safety that he was paid to be um, back when he got that extension in 2019, you know, it's been a couple of down years for him, but so far, like he's definitely on the upswing. He's had a phenomenal start to his uh, 2022 season. So I got to give a shout to Eddie Jackson for his play. Um, making another a couple of big plays in this one. He also looks a lot better in run defense as well, in my opinion. Like his tackling looks a lot better. So um, a lot of good stuff from Eddie Jackson in this game. Um, let's move on to our three duds for today. You say I'll start with you again. Uh, who are your three disappointing players or coaches or whoever for the Bears in this one? Yeah, so I think that there were a lot of names to go around, and some of the names I'm going to say might be controversial, but number one for me, it's Luke Getze, right? Offensive coordinator. I think I've touched on it a bit more than I'd like to. You have these red zone woes. At what point do you look at the film and say, hey, you know what? We can't consistently call the same stuff day in and day out. And that at some point you have to go ahead and you have to be willing to adapt and adjust, which Luke has not necessarily done at that point. Numbers two and three, they are a bit difficult for me. But I would definitely say that when I look at one of the duds that I have for this afternoon, it's going to be pass rusher Robert Quinn. I'm not saying Robert Quinn is washed, but if we're going to be honest, he hasn't been the Robert Quinn that notched 18 and a half sacks. And again, he was kind of invisible for most of the afternoon, right? And then number three, the big dud for me is Kyler Gordon. Look, I believe in what he's able to do. I believe that he can be a phenomenal corner, but Kyler Gordon's playing to open up his rookie season a really bad stretch of football right now. And I think that as a team and as a coaching staff, you have to look at that and you have to say, we spent most of training camp basically moving him between slot and outside. 
But at some point, we might have to just understand and accept that he's better off in the slot than he is on the outside. Because Kyler Gordon had the one, we had the two back-to-back penalties that basically gave the Giants 46 free yards, right? And so naturally, when that happens as a young rookie corner, I understand DB is the toughest position to play in the NFL as a rookie, but Kyler Gordon has to slow things down and let the game just come to him. Yeah, I agree. All three of those guys, you know, definitely didn't left a little bit to be desired. Like Luke Gasson, we've talked about it all pod all, all episode here. Play calling is just not a ton to be inspired about, you know, very safe, very conservative. Um just not a, a ton to get excited about Luke Getzi right now in the way that he's calling the game. Um, just a lot of stuff that is worrisome for a rookie play caller. Uh, Robert Quinn, he's been quiet the last two weeks. It, you know, if only someone would have, you know, were if some people were telling everyone that, you know, regression was due for Robert Quinn after he had an outlier season last year and that he was going to fall back to earth and lo and behold, he's fallen back to earth so far this year and the Bears should probably trade him when they had the chance. But, you know, that trade value for Robert Quinn is going down and down and down the, the longer the season goes, um, which is disappointing to see. Um, and then, yeah, Kyler Gordon, rough start for to the year for him as a rookie, like rookie quarterback struggle, but it's been a particularly tough for him uh, in the early going. Um, as for me, I'm going to start off with coaching as well. Like I thought the defensive coaching, that's got to be a dud for this one. Like the entire first half game plan, they came out unprepared. They just got thoroughly out coached in that first half. I, we talked about it earlier, like how many bootlegs did, you know, and rollouts did the giants get just, just absolutely gashed the bears on in that first half, you know, whether it was leaving Daniel Jones, a ton of room to, you know, pick up yards with his feet or, um, you know, not having anybody crashing down on Daniel Jones. And he was just had all day to find his receivers and his options there. Like it, it seemed like they were woefully unprepared um, to start off this game. They eventually did adjust to it a little bit, but again, the giants were still able to find creative ways to move the ball on the ground, despite the fact that they had zero receiver help for them in this one, the receivers for the giants were actually, absolute trash in this game and the bears still couldn't stop the run properly like saquon barkley like it was pretty clear early on that the bears their entire game plan was stopping saquon barkley and um that didn't really work out he went off for 146 rushing yards in this game um he had a couple of huge runs uh, that really swung momentum in this one as well and you know daniel jones had two touchdowns rushing in this game 68 yards like it just was not a great performance from the run defense and i think that's it starts with coaching in this one because they just looked unprepared for what the Giants were bringing to the table offensively in this one. As for my next uh, dud, I'll stay, I'll say like talk all about uh, Larry Borm and Tevin Jenkins having strong performance. Like the rest of the offensive line for me, just really, just was really bad in this one. Like, uh, you know, Cody Whitehair goes down with the injury before that there was a play early on where um, Justin Fields gets sacks, sacked and fumbled. Um, and Cody Whitehair has a chance to pick up the loose ball. That's like rolling on the ground right in front of him. And he just doesn't pick it up. Like, it's clearly a fumble. Like, an offensive lineman, like, you're always taught to fall on the ball when there's a loose ball on the ground right in front of you. That doesn't matter if it's an incomplete pass. doesn't matter if it's a fumble. Like, you have to get on that ball. And that was just an infuriating play to see because Cody Whitehair is a veteran in this league. He has to know better in that situation. But the offensive line in general, even when Cody Whitehair went out, just they just got absolutely just – manhandled this in this one like the run game was not as good uh in this game as it has been in previous weeks um you know Khalil Herbert averaged four and four yards per carry but as a whole look at the Bears when they were actually doing design runs they were averaging less than four yards per carry and then in pass protection just not not a ton of good 
uh, in this one. Braxton Jones got beat a couple of times. Lucas Patrick and Sam Mustard just got just put on skates multiple times in pass protection. Like it was a not a good it was not a good showcase for either either of those two guys, and that definitely played a role in the offense struggling for. Uh, significant parts of this game and then my last dud is unfortunately i have to go with the rookie here like feels jones that that fumble at the end was an absolute killer um and and just one of those things where again this isn't really feels jones's fault that he was drafted you know higher than he should have gone but you know the bears invested a day two pick a third round pick for a return specialist and that return specialist can't even catch a punt when you need him to it's just it's just frustrating, and I get it. He's coming back from the injury. He's probably a little bit rusty right now. I don't want to put pin too much on him. He's a rookie. Like, I'm not going to act, absolutely kill him here for this. You know, things like you know physical mistakes like that happen. You know, it is what it is. But um, you know, they brought him in for to be that return specialist, to be that gadget guy, and you know, to make to not make that play. Um, and or I should say, to make the play to lose the game is just or to help contribute to losing the game. It's just something you don't want to see. So those are our three studs and three duds for today's game. And uh, to wrap it up here, you say, let's go over just our closing thoughts here. Uh, what final thoughts do you have here before we wrap it up? I mean, I would say the final thoughts are that it's time to kind of get back into the facility and just look at everything that went wrong. Cause I think the main goal for next week going into Minnesota has to be figuring out what to do in the red zone. Yeah, I think red zone play calling is definitely something that um, has to be better moving forward. Um, and just in general, like, again, this is one of those games I said it before that just did not does not make me feel good about this coaching staff moving forward. And it's not because I don't think they're bad coaches. Um, I think, you know, Matt Rufus is a very good head coach. But when you hire a defensive, a defensive minded head coach, you know, there's going to be a certain mindset that a defensive minded head coach is going to have, and that's typically going to be, you know, playing it safe, you know, not being aggressive on fourth down decisions. You know, he wants clearly wants us to be a run first team um, with Luke Getzey as his offensive coordinator, and that's the type of mindset that they brought in, um, and just a very conservative, bland, vanilla, you know, style of, you know, coaching in a league that's getting a lot more creative and a lot more offense driven moving forward. So. You know, it just it's one of those things where again I get it, the talent is not there, but the Giants don't have a ton of talent either. And you can see the coaching difference on both sides of the ball. The Giants clearly, I think, with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka have their as their offensive, you know, minds going forward. Like I think the Giants clearly have their guy in Brian Dable. I can see the Giants once they get more talent on that roster and they get a quarterback in there, I can see that working out for them. I'm not sure, you know, if I feel the same way about the Bears with Eberflus and Getsy run the show on offense. Just a lot of red flags for me for this group moving forward. But again, it's only one game. We're still early on to this year. It's a rebuilding year. You know, these types of games are going to happen. So it's just one of those things where we expect the Bears to be bad this year. And when you expect a team to be bad, there's going to be some frustrating losses. And today was one of those frustrating losses. So um, not a ton to take away, you know, not a ton to take away, I should say, but um, just, you know, that's, just something to keep in mind, Bears fans, moving forward. But like you said, you said, uh, we're on to Minnesota now. The Bears are 2-2, two and two, and they're going to hope to get a win next week. I think they're going to be on the road again uh, up in Minnesota. So hopefully they can get you know go out there and have a much better performance next week. But uh, for today, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Bearport. Make sure to like, rate, subscribe, and uh, review uh, at the Bear uh, at Blue Wire Pods. Um, make sure to give us a follow on social media. You can follow the Bearport on Twitter at Bearport. Also, make sure to follow Picks for Polls, our our other podcast at uh, the Bearport. You can follow that Twitter account 
at Picture Polls as well. Um, you say it, where can our listeners find you on Twitter, uh, find you on social media, and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kojo. You can check out my work on the Bear Report. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Make sure to uh, check out the Bear Report for some of our post-game coverage here as we're going to be having a bunch of storylines to cover. Also, make sure to keep an eye for my tracking the trenches for this upcoming week as well. But until next time, Bears fans, uh, have a great rest of your weekend and bear down. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.